We have been talking about spiritual gifts and his God's intentions for his church. And scripture gives us some beautiful pictures of the church uh, as they're using their God-given gifts together. And so my intention is to continue to look at those specific gifts in the next few weeks. But as I study the early church and as I study healthy churches of our day, I'm seeing that these churches began with a passionate love for the giver. And that their passionate love for the giver, that in that, they couldn't help but discover the gifts that Jesus had given them so that they could use them. And so I want to take a step back this morning, and I want to look at what God has given us apart from the spiritual gifts. Because I think that's something bigger than we can fully understand or wrap our minds around. And so if you would be patient with me, we're going to get back to the specific gifts in a few weeks. But this morning, I want to focus on the gift of gifts, or the the, the giver of the gifts, if you will. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 through 15, and then I'm going to focus in specifically on verse 15. The Apostle Paul says, Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, He has scattered abroad His gifts to the poor, His righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion and through us your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of God's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, men will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. Thanks be to God for His indescribable gift. So that last verse, verse 15, very short verse, uh, eight words. Listen again as the Apostle Paul says, Thanks be to God for His indescribable gift. And so let me ask you this morning, Have you ever received an indescribable gift? Have you ever received a gift that was beyond description? I've been thinking about that this week. I mean, what what kind of gift would it have to be for you to describe it as indescribable? Would it be a gift that you open up and you look at it and you say, Wow, this is beautiful. It's something I've wanted my whole life. And if so, what would that be? Or uh, maybe it would be 
a gift that comes with emotional feeling. You know, it was given to you from someone very special, and it's a complete surprise when it's given. And you'll treasure it always because of the memories attached to it. Would that make it an indescribable gift? Or, I guess, uh, the gift that could be something that you cared so little about that you wouldn't even bother to try to describe it, so that might work, but probably not. But many years ago, uh, I believe it was on Good Morning America, there was a piece on some gift ideas that perhaps could be called indescribable. They were talking that day about some extraordinary gifts. And one of them was a Jaguar automobile, the Jaguar 220. And if you cared to order one of these cars, you would just go to your Jaguar dealer and you would put down your $80,000 deposit. And then when the automobile was delivered, you were expected to pay the remaining balance of $507,000. So for those of you who are good at math, this is Jaguar 220, $587,000. And they only made 250 of them a year. Now, if you were to buy one of those cars to express your love and appreciation for a loved one, they might not be able to find words to describe their gratitude. Perhaps it could be an indescribable kind of gift. Well, uh, on the show, they went on and mentioned some other gifts. Um, Interesting. One was a $300,000 gold and silver toilet seat inlaid with precious stones. And, of course, there were also some cheaper items for those who already have everything. There was... uh, an $18,000 Frisbee, uh, there was a $10,000 yo-yo, uh, $12,000 mousetrap, uh, even a $27,000 pair of sunglasses. And, and the, those, you know, those gifts or the amounts for those gifts kind of blow our minds. But as you think about it, I, I don't think they're indescribable. Because even though you and I may not be able to describe them, uh, there are advertisers who will find words to describe them. And they'll describe those things in such appealing ways as to try to entice us into believing that we simply cannot live the rest of our life without them. And so my point is that every human gift is describable by someone. Well, in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, Paul is at first writing about human gifts. And the church in Corinth is taking up offerings to give to the poor Christians in Jerusalem. And so Paul commends them for their eagerness to help, and he reminds them that those who sow sparingly will also reap sparingly, and those who sow generously will also reap generously. But then you'll notice in chapter 9, he shifts his attention away from human gifts to God's gift of sending Jesus to earth for us. And he cannot find words to describe that. And so he simply says, Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Now, people will try to describe what God has done for us, and I think we should. You know, pastors or musicians or artists, writers, they're going to try to describe and have tried to describe this amazing gift of God. And Paul is a great writer. He's a brilliant mind. Um, But Paul says, thanks be unto God for his indescribable gift. So why is Jesus an indescribable gift? 
That's what I want to focus on in our remaining time this morning. I think there are at least four reasons. First of all, if you're taking notes this morning, and I hope you are, I hope you remember, because of His nature, Paul calls Jesus indescribable because of His nature. How do you describe Jesus? What words would you choose? I mean, how do you describe God in flesh walking on earth and reaching out to the hurting masses of humanity? Well, Isaiah says he would be called Emmanuel, God with us. But how do you describe that? What words could you choose? I mean, how do you describe that which is spirit when all you and I have ever really known is the physical or the material? How do you describe a God who has all knowledge when all we have is limited knowledge? Right? How do you describe a God who is all-powerful? How do you just describe the eternal? How do you describe the indescribable? Well, fortunately for us, Paul says that we can't, that words aren't adequate. But many of the wisest men in the world have tried to describe Jesus. Listen to the Council of Chalcedon in 451 A.D. These are the greatest theological minds of the time. They come together and they try to describe Jesus. Here's their description. Perfect in Godhead and also perfect in manhood. Truly man of a reasonable, rational soul and body. Consubstantial, co-essential with the Father according to the manhood. In all things like us unto sin. Begotten before all ages of the Father, according to the Godhead. And in these latter times, for us and for our salvation, born of the Virgin Mary and of the Mother of God. According to the manhood, one and the same Christ, Son, Lord, only begotten to be acknowledged in two natures. Inconfusedly, unchangeably, indivisibly, inseparably. And the distinction of natures being by no means taken away by the union, but rather the property of each nature being preserved. Did you, did you, did you capture all of that? No. I, I, if not, that's good, because I didn't either. But these are the best intellectual minds doing all they can with all of their knowledge and vocabularies, trying to describe Jesus and finding that He is indescribable because of His nature. And then secondly, because of his purpose in coming to earth. We know the angels announced to the shepherds, Unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And so we celebrate the fact that Jesus came into our world to save us. And we don't just celebrate that at Christmas. We celebrate that God saw that mankind needed saving. He saw our sinful nature. He saw man's inhumanity to each other. And you know, the hopes of of peace in the Middle East and around the world have been shattered time and time again. And the treaties that are made uh, will never ensure peace because the nature of man has not changed. And God knows this. God knows that man needed a Savior more than anything else. And so when God looked at our world, He knew that our greatest need is not for more wealth. It's not for better education. It's not for a better welfare system. Those those things are good. But that our greatest need is for a Savior. 
And so there will never be peace on earth until men have been lifted out of their sin and their hearts have been changed and their way of thinking changes because the Savior has come into their lives. And if you think about it, our greatest need is to be saved from the very flames of hell itself. How how do you describe that? How do you put into words what God has accomplished when he sent his only begotten son into the world? It's like nothing we know or have seen. And so I think that Jesus, God's gift, is indescribable because of his nature, because because of his purpose in coming, and then thirdly, because of the grace by which Jesus is given. When you and I give gifts, we usually give them to our family or our friends. We usually give them to people that we know and love. And if we would happen to give to others that we don't know so well, we usually feel obligated in some way to do so. But here's what makes God's gift so special. He doesn't owe us anything. Indeed, the scripture says we're in constant rebellion against him and his will for our lives. And so with that in mind, Paul says something very remarkable in the fifth chapter of Romans. He says in Romans 5.8, God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So God gives a gift, not because he's obligated to give a gift, not because we deserve it, but because his love is so overwhelming. It's a gift of grace. And and we don't understand it. And there are no words that we can find to describe that grace towards us. It's indescribable. Because of his nature, because of his purpose in coming, his grace... And then something else. What happens in your life when you receive God's gift? Will your life be different? Or will you be the same as you always have been? Well, the Bible teaches that when we accept Jesus, this indescribable gift of God, that we will never be the same again. How can we be? And so my fourth point there is because of how he affects your life. Because of how he affects your life. Let me talk about that a little bit. Uh, The first effect of Jesus coming into your life and your obedience to him is that you're forgiven of your sins. Now some of you have been in church long enough that that's become kind of a common thing. And so you say, yeah, that's nice. What else is new? Right, but, but I want to encourage you not to dismiss that so quickly. Because when your sins are forgiven, Scripture says that God forgets them and that He will remember them and that He will bury them deep in the sea. Because Jesus is now your Savior, your sins are forgiven. So that's, that's common knowledge in your mind, but we should cherish that promise with our hearts. What a gift. And Jesus not only wipes your slate clean, He not only forgives you and removes your debt, He replaces it with His righteousness. So it's not just forgiveness. This is something 
different. This is something beyond that. Uh, it's, it's like a serial killer awaiting the death sentence because of what he's done. And the governor, by his pen, pardons and frees him from death. That's the forgiveness part. But not only that, it would be like the governor inviting the serial killer to live in his house and to live on what he provides for him. You see, because when you accept Jesus, you are adopted into his family and you're guaranteed citizenship in his kingdom. Scripture says before you were a foreigner, you were an alien, separated from God. But now, because you've accepted him, you're an adopted child of Almighty God. And so everything that belongs to Jesus now belongs to you. And you're now brothers and sisters in God's family because you accepted his indescribable gift. And I haven't even mentioned the inheritance that the Bible promises that comes with that. We could have a whole message on the inheritance of what we receive in Christ. But my point this morning is, when you receive God's indescribable gift, your life changes. Or at least it should. And if your life doesn't change, then I wonder whether you realize what you've been given. Because when you accept Jesus as your Savior, as, as you accept that gift, Scripture says the Holy Spirit begins to live in you. And now the Holy Spirit will guide you and counsel and protect and empower you. And with the Spirit comes His peace. And so it's not the peace of the world, but it's a peace that passes all understanding. It's a peace that allows you to cope with all kinds of everyday situations. Because of Jesus, your mansion or your place in heaven is paid for. It's a dwelling place that will last for all eternity. And that's indescribable as well. But what will it look like in your life when you fully realize or more fully realize what you've been given? It will lead you to service out of gratitude. And that can go in a lot of different directions. Does it mean that when you realize God's gift to you that you're going to become a pastor or you're going to become a missionary? Well, maybe. But not necessarily. Because Scripture tells us about all the different gifts that God gives to His people that can be used in so many different ways. But, but I'm talking about this this morning because all of these spiritual gifts flow or start out of a realization of the greatest gift of all, which is Jesus. So I knew when I started this sermon that I would fail in my attempt to describe Jesus because someone else failed before me who was a much better communicator, the Apostle Paul. He looked at Jesus and he said, I can't describe him. All I can do is fall on my knees and thank God for his indescribable gift. How in the world would I describe what is indescribable? But the good news for you and I is that we don't have to be able necessarily to describe Jesus. We just have to accept Him. You just have to accept Him and open up your life to Him. Let Him change you. Let Him work on you and in you. He's given you an indescribable gift 
And he's given you so many other undeserved gifts along with it. And so this is where our spiritual gifts come from. And when we begin to see clearly what Jesus has done for us, we can't help but serve him with the gifts that he's given us. God has given us an indescribable gift and even much more than that. And so let's pray this morning and thank him and celebrate that.